0: Attention, all personnel. Incoming podcast. This is MASH Matters.
1: MASH Matters. We are back for another episode. I'm Ryan Patrick alongside the wonderful Jeff Maxwell. Hello, Jeff.
2: Hello, Ryan Patrick. I just keep reminding everyone that we have a very, very classy podcast. With no stupid things or stupid effects or anything like that. So I want everybody to always remember that. We are a classy couple of guys. Okay.
1: We ooze
2: class. We do. Yes. All over my chair. (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> hey we had a great response from listeners from part one of our interview with jamie farr and wanted to read just a couple of notes that we received we heard from our friend gabriello fortier who said hey what a great interview with jamie farr i enjoyed listening to his story about how he got the part of Klinger. i look forward to part two i, I really enjoyed his stories about red skelton every year at christmas time my parents and i would watch red skelton's christmas dinner the best scene was when red did his mime routine in the children's ward at the hospital it was magical very cool, do you
2: know I now this is a myth, I guess or not I don't know whether this is the absolute truth, but Red Skelton used to every time before he would go out on stage to do the television show I don't know about the live performance, but I assume that would hold true as well. He would throw up.
1: (laughs) Really? He was
2: so nervous that he had to go throw up and then he'd run out on stage and do his stuff.
1: How about that?
2: I hope he took some breath mints (laughs) when he (laughs) went out there.
1: His poor, poor co stars. (laughs) -stars.
2: Anyway, I don't mean to divert our conversation about Jamie Farr, but that's what I understand to be true. I wish I'd asked Jamie if he knew anything about that. I've kind of forgot
1: that. You know, it's funny, I've heard from some listeners they say when they finish listening to our podcast they throw up. Really? Yeah. Oh, my goodness gracious. Weird. Yeah. My so strange. God. Wow! (laughs) Hey, we heard from Maricia Stamper. I hope I pronounced your name right. I have enjoyed this podcast since the beginning. Ryan is always so excited during the interviews with other cast members. But with Jamie Farr, Jeff seems even more excited to talk about the show. And I think he is beginning to appreciate the show from our perspective as fans. Keep up the great work, guys. We as fans love it.
2: I am absolutely positively right. I get that energy from Ryan and I listen to Jamie. I'm coming over to your side. (laughs)
1: i'm a little closer
2: just a little but i'm coming come
1: to the mash side
2: <laughs> but you can't help it at you know talking to jamie he's got so much energy and he's got so much fun stuff to say oh yeah and he's such a beloved character how can you not get excited and Be
1: a part of that. From Nan Hine, she says, I found a passing reference to your podcast in an article. I have a two-hour drive in the middle of nowhere every weekend. There are two curves, three turns, no stoplights, and two stop signs. You have certainly brightened my drive.
2: (laughs) 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 We got the roadmap of her daily life. Stop and get a cheeseburger somewhere or something. (laughs) (laughs)
1: And from Mark, he says, Ryan and Jeff, the last podcast with Jamie Farr was the best. I could listen to Mr. Farr all day long. His stories were so great. Cannot wait for part two. Well, Mark, we don't want to leave you waiting any longer. So here's part two of our conversation with Jamie Farr.
2: Okay, I uh, going back to some of our questions. So, Mr. Mike Jamison Hi, Mike. How did you initially feel when you knew you'd be wearing women's clothes on
0: television? Uh, if I may use a, a, a line that Clark Gable said at the end of Gone with the Wind, quite frankly, Charlotte, I don't give a damn. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, listen, Jeff, you know as well as I do. You get a job, you take, <laughs> you take it. <laughs> sure, yeah. sure. If, yeah. If you're hungry, I'm, I'm sure Boris Karloff didn't say, you know what, I don't think I'll take this Frankenstein bit <laughs> because I'm <cannot laughs> being known with this monster outfit. I'm out. you, you had to pay some bills, right? right?
2: <laughs> I did audition for a show um, umpteen years ago, and I had to be in full women's clothing with high heels. Mm. Wow. And so I went and I did the audition, and it went very well. I actually got the part, but something happened to the show. But anyway, I, I had to go home and I go, I'm driving back to my home and I'm in kind of a rough area in Los Angeles. And I realize I don't have any gas.
0: Oh, no.
3: <laughs> so
2: I went into the gas station and I get out dressed as I was in full high heels. And boy, I've got to tell you, I got some wacky looks. Yes. I, I, I was a little
0: nervous. Well, let me tell you what happened to me on the lot. Uh, when I, it was the first season that I uh, was on the show, okay? And of course, I don't think uh, my character had aired yet. I had done several of them. You know, they were still in the can and they, uh, they hadn't put them on the air yet. And uh, th- what happened was I was in this black outfit that zipped up in the back. And everybody had left, and they hadn't told me that they uh, they were closed down for the set. So I came out. Where the heck is every? And nobody's around. Yeah. So I have to. I see the men's restroom. Remember the men's restroom that was across the way from stage nine? Yeah. So I see the light on in there, and I got the high heels on of this black outfit on with a black hat and, and I go in there, and there's a stage hand. You know, his hands were like the, as big as a basketball or that, and I said. Sir, I said, could you get me out of this dress? I said, I can't get the zipper in the back. Well, he looked at me, and there was just the two of us, just the two of us in the men's room. So, yeah. I, he got out of there faster than I got out of there, you know.
1: And he never told anybody, yeah.
0: No, he never, probably never told anybody, yeah. But he did get me, the zipper didn't work. He got me out of there, the outfit. Yeah, That's no, I've, I've run into those kind of situations, yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs> Jamie uh, John Capiello, he asks, "What was your favorite clinger scheme to get out of the army?"
0: Ah, uh, I think the one that that got the biggest laugh, and it reminded me of uh, the old radio show with Jack Benny. Oh
3: yeah, that
0: got the biggest laugh is uh, you know when the guy says your money or your life, and there's this long pause. And then the guy says, again, he's got him uh, held up with the gun, your money or your life. And Jack Benny says, I'm thinking, I'm thinking. (laughs) (laughs) And I think the funniest, the, the one that I, the reason I say this is because, the show aired on a, uh, I think we were on a Tuesday night at that particular time. And the next day, I happened to be in Beverly Hills doing some shopping or something there. And it was a day that we, we weren't shooting. And cab drivers were honking horns at me. And bus drivers were honking. Pedestrians were waving at me. It was the one where I showed up as uh, the Statue of Liberty at the end when Douglas MacArthur comes in. Oh, Yeah big mac yes I, yeah. people told me they actually fell off their sofas when they saw that <laughs> and uh and, and. so i think based on you know the reaction that i got just from the general public that that was probably one of the most outrageous and funniest things that happened
2: well speaking of wearing some uh mr eric engler he's a regular to our podcast and uh he uh does some dressing up like you at various events <laughs> What's
0: his name uh eric engler yes i I got a photo from him. Oh, <laughs> I have it. He sent me a picture of uh in the, yes. uh, and that yellow in outfit yellow, that I yes. had on. Oh, my <laughs> goodness. Yes. Oh. Yes, I got, a, I got a fan letter from him. He told me that he and his daughter or something, they go, I wasn't sure whether to answer the letter or not. But <laughs> I, I think I have it. Maybe I, I still have it here. I was, what happens is a lot of people write to my agent, you know, and my agent's in New York, and my agent uh, doesn't give me the, the fan mail. Until he decides to come into L.A., so I get these bushels of fan letters, and I go, "Oh, how the heck am I going to answer?" All? And some of them, you know, are almost a year old. Just yeah. crying out loud. Yeah. So I, uh, I do get them, and I try to answer them as best. But yes, I do believe I, I will. I, I shall make it a point. If Mr. Uh, Angler is is watching this, see if I can't, uh, you know, autograph it and send it back to him. Uh, Well,
2: he says, Jamie, please tell me about the Gone with the Wind dress. How did it come about? What was it like wearing it? I have one for cosplay. And even in today's society, I get strange looks. I wear it in your honor, however.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm honored that he wears it in, in my honor, but I would imagine you would get a strange look. You know, here in Hollywood, we don't uh, – <laughs> I don't know if we'd get strange. Look. I don't know anymore. You, you don't know <laughs> yeah, anything. Yeah, exactly. So I, I don't know how strange and bizarre the character would uh, would be in today's world, yeah. so I, I, I don't know. Hey, it's amazing what people will see on TV and then uh, try to emulate and do and everything. Uh, As I said, uh, I'm often taken back by not only the silliness of what goes on, but the uh, sincerity of the people, and as you pointed out earlier, of, of what the show meant to them in terms of changing their lives you know uh, going into medicine and and uh, just looking at life from a different point of view
2: it was an amazing thing to have a television show have that much impact
0: yeah yeah you know it's a tv show (laughs) yeah Yeah, it's
2: a tv show (laughs) and this is 2020 and this was the show ended in you know 1983 yeah my and you're still feeling this emotional you know gushing from people it's really amazing
0: well what's nice about it too jeff is that you I get a lot of mail, and I'm sure you do. They watch it with their grandparents, yep. and now their parents, yep. and they have children, and they watch it with their children. Yes. Yep. I, I get fan mail from younger people, too, not just the uh, ones that uh, grew up as a kid watching it and then watch it now as an adult. But young people that found this show and and will say that's their favorite show. They just the, the writing was so good. I mean, I can't get over how meaningful you know the the writing was yeah. to get great lines that come out of a, a a half hour comedy or dramedy as they used to call us uh, that are memorable. You know, you watch a show and you go, oh yeah, that was funny, and uh, you watch Seinfeld and that. But the show that we did, the message that we were transmitting was so much deeper than some of these other shows that the the plots were
3: yeah
1: yes the writing was great but without the uh, performers like you and your castmates, it would not have been able to uh, be a success like it was
0: i i totally agree and and again uh as, as jeff said luck and it is luck but it's also i think the genius of a uh, gene reynolds and larry Gelbart and burt metcalf that knew how to put everybody uh, you know into where they belonged and and uh, what they were going to do with them
3: mm-hmm.
2: yes
0: the guidance that we had was superior
2: definitely superior we 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 have a couple of comment from Sean and Lee. You, Jamie, are responsible for some of the funniest scenes ever done in TV history. How's that for an opening?
0: Wow, <laughs> boy! See, <laughs> I, I wish the show was still going on. I might get a raise with the. <laughs>
3: it,
0: it wasn't. I'll tell you something. They were all wonderful, but it wasn't easy getting a raise <laughs> for salary. <laughs> they were pretty. They were pretty frugal over there. At Fox at yeah, that well, that's, time, so. <laughs> that's the biz in
2: showbiz.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know that story with how I got my raise. Yeah, I mean, do you remember Ron Beckman was the hatchet man over there? I don't know if you ever dealt with him. <laughs> But I had, uh, I was doing the Blue Night uh, with William Holden, the, uh, James Wombaugh thing. And I was telling Bill, I said, you know, Bill, I'm having a problem over there. I, I'm not making that kind of money. And, and I said, I know that I have a population. he says, Jamie, you're wonderful on the show. He said, uh, the, the thing is, he said, they did that with me. He said, when I was at Columbia, Harry Cohen, did that. He said, the agent can't do it. You have to do it. You have to be the one to get into the office and tell them that you want it because they'll just tell the agent, hey, uh, we won't hire any of your actors and that if you keep uh, asking for more money. So uh, what I did is I decided, okay, uh, I went to Doug Stubbs. Remember our prop master?
2: Yeah, Doug Stubbs. Yeah, And I
0: got a uh, prop gun from him. (laughs) And I was in my uh, fatigues at that time, and his uh, Ron Beckman's office was uh, right across from Stage Nine, and it was like a cartoon. I'd hide behind a tree, and then I'd go behind a bush, and then I'd go, and then I peek in his window, and his his uh, desk was facing away from the window, and his, so his back was to the window, and I saw him in the office. So what I did is I went around, I went into the office, I went past the receptionist, kicked his door open and say, I said to him, listen, USLB, this is the way the deal is going to go. And I pointed the gun at (laughs) (laughs) him. Oh my God. Uh, yeah, and he, and he he ducked under the desk. He said, "You're crazy." I said, "That's right. You're absolutely right. <laughs> crazy." <laughs> so, at any rate, I did get my raise.
3: Ooh, boy. Yeah,
0: but somebody told me that that's not a new way of doing it. date. I think it was uh the young man that was on Sanford and Son. I think he did the same thing, but he went in with a real gun. <laughs> and uh, but it was like a 38, you know, a uh, small gun, and he held it at the producer. And the, the producer sat at his desk. He opened his drawer and he pulled out a Magnum 45. He says, and you were saying? And you were saying? Oh, <laughs> no.
2: Boy, I'm a, if you did that today, you'd probably be shot dead. I mean, yeah. I, yeah. <laughs> well, boom. Wow. Yeah. That's a story. What a story. That's fascinating. Wow. Yeah. What a get- way to get a raise. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <I know>. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, Sean and Lee also say, but your range as an actor went to another level. As the show progressed, episodes such as "Dear Sis," seen with David Ogden Stiers, and the whole episode of "Follies of the Living" showed us how incredible your range as an actor was.
0: Well, how nice, Isn't that sweet. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Yeah, but also the the trust that the writers had that would allow you to do that. You know, because sometimes one thing I used to get upset with, with it, when I'd be on a show. Is that the directors or their casting people would hire somebody and then ask them to do something that they weren't capable of doing, and it's not their fault; they just were not capable. Some performers can't do certain things, you know. Mm-hmm. And the uh, and I'm saying it's not their fault; it's your fault. You're asking them to do something they can't do, but the the fact that they trusted. All of us to uh, whatever they gave us, and, and everybody delivered. Mm-hmm. That's what it was another unique thing about the uh, the program.
2: They were interested in in whether you can speak to a, an evolution of the Klinger character from one going from the kind of crazy wacky guy in a dress to the serious guy.
0: Well, I think if they realized that you know they could replace McLean Stevenson, they could replace Wayne Rogers, they could replace Larry Linville, but I think the irreplaceable one was uh, Gary Radar. uh, Who would you bring in that would be interesting enough to uh, that? Not wouldn't be just a company clerk, you know. So I think that's when they made the transition to say whoever came up with the idea to make me the company clerk mm-hmm. was when that all happened. Mm-hmm. And again, if you don't think that is dangerous, you go, "Oh my goodness, they're taking my stick away!" You know? Yeah, <laughs> sure.
3: <absolutely.
0: laughs> am I gonna yeah. am I gonna last without the shtick? <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> so listen, it all worked out, and I'm so grateful and uh, I'm so delighted the way they handled it and and uh, that they had enough faith in me that uh, that I would be able to accomplish that.
2: Well, that, that indeed, because that, that speaks to your ability as a comedic actor. You didn't necessarily need the dress. The dress was great, and it was a historic moment, I think, on a television show. But you were okay without it, and you found a way to be who you are in a comedic sense in the, in that other portion of the character.
0: Well, but uh, you know what? The training that I had, you know, I, my first movie was Blackboard Jungle at MGM with Sidney Poitier, Glenn Ford, and Dick Mar- and Paul Mazursky and Richard Kylie and Louie Calhern And I had Richard Brooks as a director. I remember, You know, I also did movies like The Greatest Story Ever Told, the biblical thing, working with Max von Sydow, who's a, one of Ingmar Bergman's great actors from uh, Sweden and, and uh, all of the other shows that I did. Geez, I did dramatic shows, I did comedy shows, I did all of it. So I worked with some of the greatest and most famous people. And you learn from them, you know, you learn how they approach something. So uh, that that was my training ground. And and I started at the Pasadena Playhouse doing all kinds of plays, not just comedies, but theater. I had a wonderful Shakespearean teacher, Jack Lynn. I actually, at the age of 18, played King Lear. We had to do it as a first year project. And you had to put the makeup on with the beard and everything else. And I learned a great deal from just trying to learn the lines and what those lines meant.
3: Yeah. Yeah.
0: So my background wasn't just, uh, you know, somebody that came on and said, hey, uh, I was on the Danny Kaye show or I was on Get Smarter. I was on whatever I did. I had a a cross section of all kinds of stuff that I had done
1: Jamie I'm curious about leading up to and then filming the final episode and then all of the hoopla and the frenzy when it aired can you tell us about your memories of that time
0: well it was exhausting actually there wasn't one time that we didn't have an interview that we were doing Uh, every TV show every radio show uh, we were on PBS we were all over play magazines newspapers and and i think jeff will remember that final shot even though the the final it wasn't the final show that was aired but the final piece of film that we shot of the series we had i think 400 people on this set uh with cameras and newspapers and everything that it was absolutely exhausting we were all tired and and uh uh, at the same time you know it was a very sad moment for all of us it was my gracious 11 years of you know being on that stage with these wonderful people that uh, you 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 came to know and love not only as actors but as as friends uh, it, it it was overwhelming uh, and again, uh, the question mark comes up in your mind: Is okay? Uh, where am I going from here? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know what's going to happen? This you're taking my secure blanket away. You know my blanket of security. Uh, all right, right. <laughs> so, and uh, and you know who knew. Who knew what was going to happen? Yeah, it was it was overwhelming. And uh, I mean, we were on the cover of TV Guide, the cover of People Magazine, I think the cover of Newsweek, the cover, uh, I mean, we were all over the place. It was a historical moment. And uh, if it hadn't been for the population explosion of now 300 and some odd million people in the United States, when we went off the air with that final episode, that was uh, 200 million people were in the United States. Uh, if it wasn't for the Super Bowl, we'd still be the highest rated, show in the history of television. Yeah,
1: yeah,
0: We are the highest rated of, of any kind of television program. Right, scripted. But we're not the highest rated show because of the Super Bowls that they've had.
1: Well, you, you said that taking away the security blanket and not knowing what to do next but what you did next was you kept going with the character of Max Klinger with Aftermath, and we had Rob on Twitter and also our, our friend Lisa Fetzko. She asked questions about Aftermath and would love to hear your thoughts on that. Well,
0: I got into a lot of trouble with that, because I, <laughs> you know, it's one thing if you're Alan Alda, you can talk to them and say, "Well, I think we're going in the wrong direction." <laughs> but if you're Jamie Farr, you're back in your you're back in the alphabet soup, you know. So, <laughs> I just I, I, I thought we were heading in the wrong direction uh, with it, and uh, hmm. I, originally I thought the direction they were going in was great, and then what happened is they changed the approach of the show. You know, and again, we started out great, and we just kind of fizzled uh, as it went along. And I regret that. I, I, I honestly wanted it to be at Schofield Barracks in uh, in Hawaii, mm. uh, and and make it like uh, uh, the best years of our lives, uh, more so. And they didn't see it that way. They didn't see that. They, they thought best years of our lives kind of plotting uh, wouldn't hold up in the, that era of 1983. And uh, that's what I really thought it should have been more like. I mean, first of all, they had me, you know, uh, worried about the, if I was, if I didn't worry about generals in the army, why would I worry about the, uh, you know, hospital administrator <laughs> <laughs> that was there? And of course I, I got married and Rosalind Chow was absolutely wonderful. Uh, I don't know if you got to know her at all, uh, Jeff, but she's such a lovely lady. Sure. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. The one that played my wife in the uh, episode. Yeah. Yeah. It just, uh, as I said, um, you know, I, I had a lot of uh, issues. Uh, with it, but you know I didn't have the the stardom the strength to make your opinion known. And, uh, you, you have to trust the people that, uh, that got you there. So you
2: just never know in terms of what's going to catch that magic. That's
0: exactly right. You never know. You
2: just yeah. don't know. Yeah. I mean, nobody knew what match was going to be until it became what it was. Yeah,
0: exactly right. We almost got canceled that first year. Yeah. We were on against the wonderful world of Disney. And if it wasn't for Bill Paley's wife, Babe Paley, who liked the show, said change the time spot. And uh, Mr. Paley said, okay. And he put it on Saturday night with that the greatest night in the history of television with, uh, all in the Family, Mash, Mary Tyler Moore, Bob Newhart, and the Carol Burnett Show. Yeah, boy. I mean, nobody even went and left their house. So they didn't even get up to go to the bathroom.
2: <laughs> that was a lineup No,
0: it was a, it wow. was an incredible uh, ride. But yeah, no, Mash was ready to be canceled. Yeah, yeah. It's, as they said, it's a crapshoot. You never know when the Seven 11s are. <laughs> yeah, you just don't know. stop coming up no. for you. So
2: you know, movies. I, I watch movies. They come out, and they're you know, some of them I
0: like, but they
2: flop, and others I. I don't like and they're huge
0: hits that's exactly you're 100 right yeah I have no idea and you, you never know and, you, and sometimes you get surprised you go well why did everybody go see that movie <laughs> right. Or why did that movie fail yeah. hey it's up to the general public well look <laughs> yeah. at all the programs that we have now you know when, when we were on the air it was only three networks now my gracious, yeah. you have a choice of all kinds of things going on
3: what do you
2: watch? What what do you like to watch on television?
0: You know, my wife and I, we, we enjoy a lot of the English shows. Yeah. We watch Miss Summer's Murders and uh, Miss Marple and uh, all of those kind of mystery. I, we used to love uh, you being served and some of the English comedies that they had. I'm trying to think of uh, any of the uh, American TV show. I know Joy watches Blue Blood. She likes that. Yeah. Sometimes I get a little tired of the forensic stuff before. You know, they they never used to show. <laughs> the, the bodies on the table <laughs> now I think they're shooting through the bodies you know you see somebody's liver or whatever the heck it is uh-huh. <laughs> I don't think I need to see that at, uh, especially at dinner time if I'm sitting there <laughs> and and, and uh, some of the things that drive me crazy is the editing the cutting that they do if you could have a scene like with four people or something and there are only four lines they have like about five setups for the four lines <laughs> <Right. Yes. laughs> you, yeah. you know and they go cut 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 when I work with uh, Richard Brooks, the director, he said, you know, Jamie, the, the most important shot in a movie is a two-shot. He said, you hire the best actors and the audience cuts for you. You don't cut a lot unless... He said, a close-up is really only for something that you really want them to take note of. Yeah. But they've yeah. overused, you know, the close-ups. They they, uh, they overuse a lot of the cutting uh, of the show. And I think they, they said they got that from uh, young people not having an attention span, that uh, commercials were the things that kind of set that up for them with uh, cut, 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 cut all over the place. Yeah. I remember when I worked with George Stevens, the greatest story ever told, he said, you know what's important with a close-up? It's not what you're saying, it's what you're thinking. Hmm, yep. And, uh, you know, again, you, you learn from some of these great directors that help set the business. But again, you know, if you want to work, you work where the, where the work is right, right. and the way they work it. So yeah. that's what you do.
1: Jamie, you've mentioned your wife a few times. And I think it's very interesting when I was doing some research, I found that your wife actually has a page on the Internet Movie Database because of her appearances as herself on the game show Tattletales. Oh,
0: yeah. She <laughs> was on Tattletales and uh, she was on something else. I forgot. Oh, she's a funny lady. Yeah. She can. If she used to put me away. Yeah, uh, she would say some of the funniest things uh, in that. But she's not interested in the business. Never really
1: was. How long have you been married?
0: Uh let's see. Yeah, 57, 50 Yeah, fifty-seventh years.
1: Wow. Yeah,
0: fifty-seven. That's amazing. Yeah, she uh, grew up in Danville, Illinois, right around the corner from Dick and Jerry Van Dyke in uh, in Danville, Illinois. Oh yeah. yeah. When I was doing the Dick Van Dyke show, she used to go talk to Dick all the time at the local places that were there in Danville a population about 44,000 people
2: Hey, Jamie, do you have one absolutely favorite moment of your, eleven? I know this is a crazy question to ask, but through 11 years of MASH, is there something that really sticks out in your head as being a very, very special moment
3: for you?
0: Well, I think, you know, the one that everybody should do is their favorite show and their, their favorite moments in the show because there were so many wonderful shows that we did and so many interesting things that we did. One of the, this has nothing to do with their show, but uh, this has to do with when I was growing up back in Toledo. We had all those wonderful theaters. Uh, one of them was the Paramount Theater, and they used to bring in Broadway shows that were on tour. And so I think I was in high school when I was an usher at the Paramount Theater for the tour of Guys and Dolls. And uh, you know, Alan Alda's dad, Robert Alda, was the original Sky Masterson on Broadway.
3: Yes. And
0: I had never seen a Broadway show. in In this particular version, it was Jack Jones's dad, Alan Jones, who was Sky Masterson. And I saw that show and. I couldn't believe the numbers that were in that, and I said, "Boy, that I'd love to have that happen to me someday. I would love to play the Nathan Detroit part which Sam Levine played, you know, on Broadway." Well, we're doing Mash, and Jerry Zachs, an actor who uh, was with the Road Company of Greece, and he got uh, like a day's work on our show, Mash, and he was talking to me and and about, uh, oh, things were going well his way, and. So I gave him a pep talk and we kind of became friends. I I was trying to bolster him in some way. Well, it turns out he winds up going to New York and becomes a Broadway director.
3: Yeah, (laughs) Yeah.
0: that Jerry Zachs. And then one of the things he was doing was guys and dolls on Broadway. Uh And they were holding auditions out here at the Dorothy Chandler Theater. And so I called, I said, can I get an audition with Jerry? I'd love to do an audition for Nathan Detroit. So I went in, and and I'm not a singer, as as Nathan Detroit wasn't anyway, you know, a singer. But I did a, a version of singing in the rain, and I did the dialogue with them, and. And he, they all said, oh, that was that was very good. It was very nice and, and everything else. But what I hadn't known is that they had already cast the show mm. uh, in New York. It was Nathan Lane was doing Nathan Detroit. Mm-hmm. Josie de Guzman uh, was a Salvation Army lady and something else. And, and I forgot who the gentleman was playing Sky Masterson. Was
1: that Peter Gallagher?
0: Yes, yes, Peter Gallagher. You're absolutely right. So now... I go about my way, and I'm it's one of those dry spells after uh, after you have done mash. and and I, I'm starting to do some dinner theaters just to keep working. And I get a phone call from New York, and they said, "Hey, they want you to come in for Guys and Dows." I said, "Oh, you mean they want me to audition?" They said, no they want you to be Nathan Detroit. I said, oh, is this the road company? Uh, they said, no, this is the Broadway show. Nathan Lane is leaving. Oh, <laughs> so oh, they said, we, Jerry Zachs remembered you for your audition that you did at the Dorothy Chandler <laughs> 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 God, wow. I said, oh my God, i never played Broadway. Okay. So now I'm going and I'm saying, I'm going to go on Broadway and my little dream is going to come true. I'm going to be Nathan Detroit on a Broadway version of Guys and Dolls. And you only get 10 days rehearsal and you only get one day, one performance with the cast. So you're working with the dance captain and everything else to learn the lines and to do, and you had all these numbers. Sit down, you're rocking the boat, and all these other things that you're doing the choreography in it. And and Jeff, Wright, I was so scared and so nervous. Oh yeah. That here I was going to be, and I had a I had a, a audition with the cast, and then was going to open the next night, Tuesday night. I had it on their day off, which is oh, Monday. Wow. And then after you do the show, if you get through that one, you got the Wednesday matinee, and then the Wednesday <laughs> next show. We you know so. Wow. so no respite there yeah well it turned out absolutely terrific clive barnes who was one of the big uh reviewers came back to re-review the show and i got a glowing review in the new york post from him and frank lesser's uh widow joe lesser came to see the show and said that was more like the original way that they had done it when uh, uh, Robert Alda and Sam Levine had done it. So, Oh, my gosh. That wow. was it, when you ask about a, a moment a in moment. my career. <laughs> yeah, that, that was it. And I did it almost a year. I actually got hurt in there. And, and uh, they, they did that sit down, you're rocking the boat. We were standing on these wooden chairs and that and the chair gave way and I fell And I injured my uh, my neck area uh, on the stage, and I finally had to leave the show. Uh, The pain was so bad.
3: Oh my gosh!
0: And actually, to this day, I still have you know problems from I never got hurt on any movie sets. Every time I got hurt or anything was usually on the stage. (laughs) (laughs) And never any
2: injuries from any of those dresses on Mash. So
1: no, no, never (laughs) fell
0: off the high heels. Oh, (laughs) you (laughs)
1: bet. Well, hey, speaking of the heels, Eileen Garski asks, "I want to." ask him how his feet are because all those times filming in heels must have hurt his feet
0: well they did indeed and uh, they were very expensive shoes they the brand name was el grande which in spanish is the big one you know so uh they uh, they, they discovered that when i was running through the hills you know when we do the uh the location things that uh, you really couldn't see your feet hmm. so i i broke a lot of those high heel things off and they were very expensive at that time i think those shoes were like a pair or something and so they uh, since you couldn't see the the feet they they put me in the tennis shoes so I didn't have to uh, do it that way and again if you recall a lot of times you know we were working at the studio and we were on that cement floor and if you couldn't see the feet we wouldn't have to wear those combat boots yeah Loretta used to have to wear those so we got to the point where if you couldn't see the feet, you know, you wore slippers or something that was far more comfortable than sure. uh, than those combat boots.
2: They were pretty tough. Those boots they were they were
0: serious shoes. Oh yeah, I know. I those I wore them for real for a couple of years. Yeah, you did. <laughs> <laughs> I, I remember them very, very well.
2: <laughs> well, I have a big regret, and my big regret about MASH is that you and I didn't get more scenes together. I, I really do. I, I wish uh, Igor and Klinger had had some more fun stuff to do together. Well,
0: listen, the stuff you did was absolutely wonderful. Uh, well,
2: thank you. That's very sweet of you. E-
0: when you. Igor showed up behind that counter, <laughs> 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 I mean, whatever he was serving, he was going to get a laugh anyway. Like, they keep showing you that one with the liver and the uh, fish. Yeah, a river of you. liver and an ocean of fish. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, liver and fish. And Alex goes crazy. I think with the Adam's ribs and some of the other stuff that uh, you. You said, of course, as you know, uh, a lot of times, uh, I think you served Mike Farrell applesauce or something because he was like a vegetarian <laughs> and he didn't need any of the meat stuff. And, and you know, it's funny.
2: People ask me, uh, "Gee, was that food? You know, was it really awful?" It really wasn't awful. It was from the commissary.
0: Yeah. Well, if you remember correctly, I used to have those hot dogs flown in from Toledo. Yeah. They pack those hot dogs <laughs> and beer, and then I had the L.A. Kings and the uh, Edmonton Oilers, the hockey teams, on the set, and we they watched the shooting of it, and then we'd all go into the uh, mess tent i had the uh, stanley cup winners the new york islanders in there serving people hot dogs with chili sauce (laughs) and that that french beer that uh, that they flew in from toledo yeah it was a lot of fun we did we had a a really great family there and i i I miss them all their friendship and their contribution to the show all of our our crew, oh. like, you know, I still get some stuff from Mike Casey. You remember he became our prop master yeah. there, Michael uh-huh. Casey. Yes,
3: yes, yes. Well, if
0: you remember correctly, even Kay, uh, we had another gentleman by the name of Casey uh, that was our uh, camera operator. Mm-hmm. You know, Do- Dominic Palmer Dominic. Was, and, and B.J. Jurgensen was our uh, director of photography, but the camera operator was Casey. And sometimes they'd have to cut because he was laughing and it would shake the camera. Yeah. He was laughing so hard when he was photographing. <laughs> 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 yeah, was a lot of fun great memories
2: it was a lot of darn fun well it was a lot of fun and this was a lot of fun too
0: jamie yes well i'm glad we could finally get together and uh i hope uh, your show is successful i hope you stay healthy both of you and your families and uh, thank you uh, it was a real pleasure and an honor to do the show i i i hope uh, your listeners enjoyed it and uh i hope we get to see each other uh on occasion indeed So you take care of both of you, and uh, if you talk to any of our gang, you send them my best.
2: We will. We love you, Jamie, and we thank you very much.
0: All right. Thank you, Jeffrey, and thank you, Ryan. Thank you so much, Jamie. It was a pleasure.
1: Oh, wow. What a great conversation with Jamie Farr. I just smiled the entire time while we were doing that interview. And while I was listening to it again, I smiled even bigger. He is a delight. He is a national treasure. And it is so, so wonderful to talk to Corporal Klinger himself.
2: What an amazing moment in an actor's life as well. To get that kind of part, to have it begin as kind of a, well, we don't know. We're not sure. And then it's a mistake. And then they do it again. And it works really big to the point that he became a a, an iconic major character for the show. What an amazing story. What an amazing journey. What an amazing actor too. He's a delight, a terrific guy. And like you, I had a Cheshire cat grin on my face.
1: Hey, we love bringing these interviews to you, and we have some more interviews on the way. Really? Uh, Do we? Do we? Really? Really? We do. We do. We do. Tell me. who tell me? Well, some of these are people you know from MASH. Some of these people may not necessarily be associated with MASH, but there are some unique ways that they are linked to the MASH universe. So we've got some interesting interviews in the hopper, and we'll be bringing those to you in the coming months. Now, if you have any ideas... uh, of guests for us. We'd love to hear from you. If you want to uh, throw us an idea of somebody we could talk to here on MASH Matters, I can't guarantee that we're going to contact everybody, but we want to hear from you. What interviews would you like to hear on MASH Matters? So you can always contact us through our website, on Twitter, Facebook, email us, Mash Podcast at gmail.com. You can also call and leave a voicemail at 513-436-4077. Just make sure it's under three minutes in length. Or you can record a voice memo and send it to us through our website, Mash mashmatterspodcast.com. .com
2: and if it's if it's you who want to be interviewed you think you have something very very essential and very important to talk about and you want us to interview you um What is it, Ryan, now? 5,000 cash? Is that what it is? Yeah, it's
1: 25 up front and then 25 after the interview. After the interview, yeah. Okay. But that's not bad. No, not at all. Get in on that, everybody. And if you listen to us on Apple Podcasts, please go and leave a five-star review and write a little review for us there. We are getting a lot of reviews in and we appreciate everybody. I wanted to read one that came in here recently. This is from Space Disc Jockey. This podcast is something I've been looking for for years. I've been a MASH fan since the early eighties. I got to watch the last few seasons as they aired and I've been hooked ever since. Ryan is the knowledgeable MASH fan who knows every episode and wonders many of the same things I have always wondered. Well, Igor, uh, I mean, Jeff was there when it happened and offers insights and behind the scenes info better than any other documentary or interview I've ever seen. Jeff and Ryan's fun relationship combined with some amazing guests as well as some great questions from listeners. Make this a worthwhile podcast and a genuine treat for any fan of MASH. Keep it up, guys. How about that? Thank you. Thank you. That's very nice. Very, very nice. So leave a review and we may read your gushing review on the air because (laughs) it does nothing except bolster our egos. (laughs) Exactly.
3: And
2: please be as gushing as you possibly can. That'll help (laughs) get it on. Okay. Thank you.
1: That's right. The gushier, the The better. better. (laughs) All right. So we've got some more fun stuff on the way and some big interviews coming up as well. Keep those questions and comments coming in. We will be answering more of those questions coming up in some future episodes. And until next time, here's looking up your old address.